Hi everyone, this is Austin Bridges welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode 15. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community, and towards this end has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Rucker, scribe for The Rock Contact, and president of LL Research, along with Gary Bean and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. To do so, you may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Austin, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast in the now. Gary and Jim, are you with us and ready to go? We are ready. Yes, on both accounts. Alrighty. Our first question today comes from Michael G. via email. And Michael wrote, I would like to hear what your opinions are about harvest or density shift. Will it be sudden, like a quantum leap in the valence shells of electrons, or will it be more of a gradual transition where there is a blending of densities, such as when one refers to late 6D or early 6D? Is harvest something that we can help move along and participate in through our efforts and self-work towards positive polarization? Or are we in more of a receptive role towards changing the vibrations? Thank you for all your excellent work and podcast discussions. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Jim, do you want to start us off with that one? (laughs) Okie dokie. This is the great question that we're all asking. And I don't think anybody's got a really definitive answer. And I think that's because this situation of being able to shift into the fourth density is variable according to the choices that the population of our planet makes. And since we are a very volatile type of uh, planetary population given to uh, wars and so forth, um, it's really hard to say what will happen for sure. But Ross suggested that the overall shift would take somewhere between 70 and 100 years, could be longer as long as 700 years. And this shift apparently began back after World War II, after we dropped the atomic bomb. So we're about 70 years into the shift right now. Uh, in 1981, when we had the raw contact, Ross spoke of the, uh, the, the harvest beginning in 30 years, which is basically the 2012. And I think that's one of the reasons that Carla put such emphasis on 2012 in her Living the Law of One, 101, The Choice. Um, the best I can sense right now, I mean, I don't, there's nothing I can go on to really think a lot about, but the best I can sense is that in the time space or inner planes, spiritual cordons of earth, we are in the fourth density now. 
But as far as it being able to come into third density, space time, third slash fourth, uh, I really don't know. Uh, we do know that we have um, thousands and thousands of children being born now that uh, Ross said were composed of both the third and fourth density vibration bodies. Um, some writers in the field of metaphysics now describe these as crystal children and see them as um, a special breed of child that is able to, uh, well, they're called uh, systems busters. They're uh, able to change things around. They've got this desire to be of service here early in the fourth density part of this planet and thereby serve the planet and enhance their own polarization of the positive nature while they're here. So, um, after all of that, I'll just have to say, I hope it's rather soon. <laughs> Gary, how, what do you think? Yes, I will start there and end there. I hope it's rather soon, too. It's a tough place to be on this planet, even if your own life circumstances are fairly pleasant. <clears throat> um, so as to the first part um, of Michael G's question about when, how it will transpire, I'm in alignment with Jim in that I don't think anybody really knows. We don't have a definitive answer. And uh, it's been a long-standing question and a hotly debated topic on Bring Forth as well. And uh, Ra kind of indicates two um, competing or rather opposite ideas. They talk about a discrete boundary um, being crossed, and that, and, and I think they use the word quantum too. Um, so one gets a sense that once you cross that discrete boundary you're, um, and undergo that quantum shift, then it's all fourth density. Fourth density is activated in space-time and in time-space. Uh, the way I perceive that is similar to, um, say, you are driving north through the United States to Canada. As you um, near the border with Canada, um, maybe you might see some aspects of Canadian culture, maybe some um, of the accents change as you get closer to Canada, but you're still in America, uh, despite there being some overlap. But once you cross that boundary, bam, you're suddenly in Canada. You're no longer in America. And on that other side of Canada, there may be some overlap with American culture, too. It's not an exact metaphor, but um, you could use that with clock time as well. And Ra actually does say that, uh, like the striking of the clock upon the hour, um, <clears throat> you could be in Tuesday all day, and then 11.59 turns to midnight, and bam, you're in Wednesday. A new day has, has emerged, though um, the experience may not seem qualitatively different. I don't know, just different ways of examining it. Um, 63.25 is a really interesting one as well to examine because, um, in that one that moves closer to what Jim was saying about the 100 to 700 year mark and the notion that this will be a sort of gradual change. So, um, <clears throat> Ross says in that one at this nexus, which is somewhere between 1981 to 82, at this nexus, the green ray environment exists to a far greater extent in time-space than in space-time. And they say also in that one, um, that the dual activated entities being birthed into third density um, will have been transformed uh, through the process of time 
to the appropriate type of vehicle to appreciate in full the fourth density planetary environment and that um, it will be fully activated and inhabitable and solid through that process of time. So maybe it's a synthesis of both, this discrete boundary combined with this gradual sort of change. And moving on to the second part of Michael G's question on the question of if harvest is something that we can move along or participate in. Um, absolutely. Like Jim was saying, it really, I think much is contingent upon our activities and attitudes and state of consciousness on this planet, um, both individually and collectively. Uh, Ra talks about the earth changes happening on this planet being a result of human activity. Um, they talk about uh, how we're human activity and consciousness is actually retarding the process of harvest. In 40.8, they say, um, in response to Don's question of, that's trying to estimate the harvest, uh, Ra says, this is difficult to estimate due to the uncharacteristic anomalies of this transition. So back tying back into what Jim was saying, due to our volatility, was the word Jim used. So Ra goes on to say, there are at this base time uh, beings incarnate which have begun fourth density work. However, the third density climate of planetary consciousness is retarding the process. At this particular nexus, the possibility-probability vortices indicate somewhere between 100 and 700 of your years as transition period. This cannot be accurate due to the uh, volatility of your peoples at this space-time. So if our current state of activity and consciousness is holding it back, then the more that we can um, <clears throat> do self-work and clear our energies and balance our chakras and open our hearts and... Um, love and forgive and shine our light, the more that um, logically we can accelerate the process and, and bring forth density into manifestation. So that's a big yes on, on um, my end. Um, they also, to conclude, um, talk about the wanderers being here at this time to uh, precisely to help with that process and the dual activated entities attempting to heal planet Earth. So um, yeah, we can and we are uh, aiding that process. That's it for me. Thank you. Um, I think that my view of harvest might differ from many people's. And it might not uh, jive very well with the hope that a harvest might be coming soon or there might be something to look forward to within our lifetimes that will be some sort of distinct shift. I do think that we'll see a lot of changes within our lifetimes. I think that we have seen a lot of changes within our lifetimes. Uh, but as far as how I view harvest or I guess the only thing I can say on top of what Jim and Gary have already said is just give my specific view and how I uh, came to that view. I uh, found the law of one just a couple years before the winter solstice of 2012, which was a pretty unique time to come into the material because at that point in time, 2012 was just a massive topic of discussion within the New Age community, and that was also true for the law of one community. Finding the Bring Forth forums 
at that time, a lot of the discussion centered around harvest and correlation to harvest and 2012, even though Ron never really specifically connected the two dates. Uh, there are things that could imply that 2012 was some sort of specific date that Ra was hinting at, but there was nothing very specific. And so, like Gary said, this has been a very hotly debated topic, and what I found when I first found the forums and found the Law of One community and joined the discussion on Harvest was that for every person who reads the Law of One, there are just as many interpretations of how Harvest might happen. And it's kind of strange because Ra attempted to speak in very precise and very specific ways, but the way that Harvest was discussed left a lot of room for projection. And a lot of the online discussions uh, spanned for many, many pages and were ultimately fruitless, I think, because uh, it's a very kind of murky topic. But during that time, I was open and receptive to all the interpretations, though also hopeful that the sudden shift to fourth density might come in 2012. Uh, despite that hopefulness, I ended up distilling all the discussions into this view of how I thought it would logically happen, which is more of a gradual shift over a few generations of humanity. And I view uh, this as sort of a sunset into nighttime or sunrise into a new day. Uh, you can look at the daytime and you can obviously say that it is daytime outside. And that is a distinct difference from the nighttime. But during the transition between day and night, there isn't really one specific moment you would pick to say, this is day and then this is night. It is a slow transition. The sky slowly changes colors. The sun slowly descends over the horizon or ascends over the horizon. And uh, there's not one specific thing to say this is day and this is night. And I think that will be similar to third density and fourth density, is we can look at a certain period in time and say that is third density. And we will look at a certain period in time and say that is fourth density. But during the transition, there won't be any specific point in time that it will uh, appear as one or the other. And I feel like we are in that transition now. Uh, Gary and Jim talked about the dual activated uh, individuals who are supposedly uh, having an experience of both third density and fourth density, but it is hard to discern because everything seems third density right now, and we don't really have much to compare our experience to with the experience of fourth density. So uh, they are not experiencing something so incredibly different that it is a topic of massive discussion around the world. As far as massive culture knows, everybody experiences about the same kind of thing. And so I view that harvest is happening uh, gradually with the evolution of our bodies from third density to fourth density. Uh, like Gary was saying, the consciousness of our peoples is supposedly holding back the harvest. And at some point, Ra says that the body is a creature of the mind's creation. And so I feel like so long as there are concepts that were born in third density or uh, that are holding us back, the volatility and the confusion 
that Gary and Jim were talking about, that there will be a, an expression of that within both our own human bodies and the body of the earth. The body of the earth also makes the transition between third and fourth density. And I feel like the dual activated individuals will start with a more third density and less fourth density. And then through the process of physical evolution, uh, though expedited physical evolution over a few generations, there will be a gradual shift in them being able to perceive more fourth density and uh, drop more of the perception of third density uh, more and more until the first full fourth density body is born near the end of that transition. And so there is this natural smooth transition between third density and fourth density and both the world, uh, the earth itself, as it is sort of held back by our culture and our individual bodies ourselves as uh, they are held back by the cultural mind that we're born into and our individual minds and how uh, we accept fourth density thoughts and vibrations. And there's not much more I can say on top of that. I feel like it will be rather seamless and that any kind of uh, distinct shift will probably be more in time space and not very perceptible to us as humans. And I suspect it may already be happening. According to Quo, it is already happening. There are supposedly uh, individuals who manage to reach fourth density vibrations on Earth that are incarnating into dual body. Uh, uh, dual bodies right now. And so I think that the harvest is happening in time space, uh, that when we pass into time space, we go through the process of harvest where we basically assess our vibration and figure out what the best environment for us to continue our growth in will be. And uh I don't think that there will be much noticeable about that within our space-time incarnation. I think that it's mostly noticeable within time-space and that the transition will be a, a less noticeable thing from our perspective. And then I agree with Gary completely. On the last part of Michael's question, uh, Ra touched on what Gary was saying a little bit in saying that in your space-time, you and your peoples are the parents of that which is in the womb. And they are talking about uh, us being parents of the fourth density earth and that the fourth density earth is in the womb. And Ra goes on to say, the earth, as you call it, is ready to be born and the delivery is not going smoothly. When this entity has become born, it will be instinct with the social memory complex of its parents, which have become fourth density positive. And I feel like we are acting as parents of this fourth density. It is up to us to... Uh, put our energies into this transition and uh, recognize the fourth density energies, become self-aware enough to uh, recognize the love that we are able to perceive now thanks to those fourth density energies. And the more we're able to do that, the more our earth will change, the quicker our bodies will change through the evolutionary process and the quicker we will get to fourth density. But I still suspect it will be a rather long process. Any other thoughts on Michael's question about harvest from either of you? Uh, I think I've said everything I can think of. Nope, not for me. All righty. Well, we'll move on to our next question then, which comes from uh, Jeremy via Bringforth. 
and Jeremy asks, can you comment on the implied sequence of mind, body, and spirit in the material? Not only do those of Ra sequence it this way when they speak of a mind-body-spirit complex, but this is also seems to be the order inherent in the major arcana of the Tarot, 1 through 7 being mind, 8 through 15 being body, and 16 through 21 being spirit. Is there some significance to mind coming before body and body coming before spirit? Thanks again for the service you are all doing. It makes an impact in my life on a weekly basis. Love you all. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Gary, do you want to start us off with that one? Um, yeah, I could have sworn that there is a Q&A in the Law of One where Ra addresses exactly that point. Um, I couldn't find it, though. All my keyword searches uh, were fruitless. Try, um, try semantic difficulty. Semantic difficulty. I'm going to do that while I talk. <laughs> Pat my head and my stomach at the same time. Um... So, while I'm doing that, actually, if I can just continue to stall, <laughs> some, I'm almost there, semantic difficulty. Um, try a question, or 30.5. 30.5. You want me to read it out? I can do that. Yeah, that works. Okay, the question was, I would like to know how the mind-body-spirit complexes originate. How, going back as far as necessary, uh, do they originate by spirit-forming mind and mind-forming body? Can you tell me this? And then Ra's response is, We ask you to consider that we are attempting to trace evolution. This evolution is, as we have previously described, the consciousness being first, in first density, without movement, a random thing. Whether you may call this mind or body complex is a semantic problem. We call it mind-body complex, recognizing always that in the simplest iota of this complex exists in its entirety the one infinite creator. This mind-body complex then in second density discovering the growth and turning towards the light, thus awakening what you may call the spirit complex, that which intensifies the upward spiraling towards the love and light of the infinite creator. The addition of this spirit complex, though apparent rather than real, it having existed potentially from the beginning of space-time, perfects itself by graduation into third density. When the mind-body-spirit complex becomes aware of the possibility of service to self or other self, then the mind-body-spirit complex is activated. There you go, Gary. Great quote, but no. I swear there was... Um, <laughs> something else where Ra says that the majority of our work, the bulk of our work is in working with the mind first and that's why they put it in that order but um, <clears throat> then again I might be imagining it like I did in earlier Q&A that I was asking Austin about this morning that does not exist either <laughs> um, so my answer will be short um, I think it's in that sequence intentionally because the majority of our work is in dealing with the mind um, with perceptions and conceptions and emotions and um, <clears throat> our viewpoint of ourself and the world and, and so forth I think we meet people first and foremost on a mental level um though of course we're a unified being that consists of a body and a spirit complex i think uh, first and foremost it's the mind that's um through which most of the catalyst moves um the body as ra describes it is a creature or a mirror of the mind a physical manifestation of the efficient slash non-efficient use of catalyst and the spirit is a 
something is a faculty uh, function thing that's um, only Ra calls it a shuttle that's only generally worked with once the mind and body are sufficiently balanced and oriented. Um, and uh, Ra, in their own instruction for the disciplines of balancing, um, describes doing the balancing of the mind uh, first. Maybe that's where I would find it. And then the balancing of the body. Um, so, yeah, that's basically uh, my answer. And, and thanks for your nice note, Jeremy. How do you feel about that one, Jim? Uh, let me ask you about the quote you read. Didn't Ross start off that saying that the spirit created the mind? Uh, not in that particular quote, no. Hmm. wonder what I heard. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. I was trying to figure out mind, body, spirit. The uh, spirit seems like it would be there first, though in the mind, body, spirit, it's on the end of the line, unless we make it a circle. So it's mind, body, spirit, mind, body, spirit, mind. Anyway, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense that the mind is the creator of the body. But exactly how the spirit comes in there, and particularly in that order, um, baffles me right now. Because it seems like the spirit should be existing in uh, the consciousness that creates the mind. I think that was it. Consciousness created the mind. The mind created the body. And then how did we get the spirit in there in that order? Maybe the spirit is attracted to the mind-body combination once it has received enough experience to become differentiated or individualized. Anybody got any idea there? Uh, Ra talks about uh, the mind-body. Um, like in first density, they whether you call it mind or body is a matter of semantics, I think. And then in second density, it's definitely a, a mind-body entity. And then in, as the entity moves to third density, then um, this is where I would tie into what you were saying. So you said maybe the spirit is there. It just gets – I forget your exact words. It gets called into being um, – but maybe moving from second density to third density, the uh, where the mind body becomes sufficiently aware that it activates that dormant potential of the spirit. So it's there, but only in potential. It's not activated. That's my vague, rough answer. It's got to be. It's got to be everywhere, actually. So yeah, what makes it come up and manifest in a certain way that uh, becomes a, a co-equal partner with the mind and body is the fascinating part that I can't figure out. Yeah, I think that uh, it's basically correct. The spirit is never not there. It's not like it gets added uh, at that point. But Ra said the addition of the spirit complex, though apparent rather than real, uh, it having existed potentially from the beginning of space-time. Oh, it's right there. And so, yeah, uh, the apparent rather than real, I think the reason that it is last in that sequence is because it is something that we... Uh, don't realize until we reach third density or uh, it I believe is sort of the realization of the spirit is the qualification for harvest into third density um, my answer is uh, pretty much the same as everything that has been given I'm along the same lines as Gary uh, I don't know if I recall a very specific Q&A where uh, Ra talks about things happening in that sequence or that the mind being the primary work. But uh, I did feel like the exercises given in session five and six for healing or otherwise just knowledge of the self 
uh, Ra does go in that same order of mind first, then body, then spirit. And uh, they discuss this somewhat in the uh, session six, question one. They say, the exploration and balancing of the spirit complex is indeed the longest and most subtle part of your learn slash teaching. We have considered the mind as a tree. The mind controls the body. With the mind single-pointed, balanced, and aware, the body comfortable in whatever biases and distortions make it appropriately balanced for that instrument, the instrument is then ready to proceed with the great work. So I think that's one reason why the spirit comes last in that sequence, is not that it is some sort of late addition, it is that the work of the mind and the body are a precursor to the work of the spirit because we have to be balanced with our mind and with our body before we are able to effectively work with spirit because it is such subtle work as Ra said that it is probably very prone to the us projecting distortions of the mind and body onto it uh, there were a couple other quotes I felt offered some light into this and us uh, Session 66, question 34, Ross says, Catalyst is offered to the entity. If it is not used by the mind complex, it will then filter through the body complex and manifest as some form of physical distortion. The more efficient the use of catalyst, the less physical distortion is uh, to be found. And so that is not exactly answering how or it it's not answering why the mind is first, but it is an example that a catalyst is first worked with by the mind and then worked with by the body. And then in session 90, question 14, Ross says, the archetypical mind is part of that mind which informs all experience. Please recall the definition of the archetypical mind as a repository of those refinements to the cosmic or all mind made by this particular logos and peculiar only to this logos. And I think it is revealing that Ra refers to the whole thing as the archetypical mind. So the archetypical mind has the mind-body-spirit. And I think that hints at a sort of primal nature of the mind. Uh, not primal in that it comes first, but that it is sort of a base of uh, our work with the body and with the spirit. That we experience the body and we experience the spirit, I think, uh, through the mind. The mind is sort of the seat of our perceptions. And it is in working with the mind that we're able to then perceive the body and work with the body and perceive the spirit and work with the spirit. And so I think that work on the mind is primal because we have to balance the mind before we can accurately work with the body or work with the spirit. Otherwise, we may be projecting distortions from the mind onto the body and onto the spirit. And that's the best that I have for that. Great job. Uh, thank you. Any more thoughts on that question from you, Gary? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I had a hunch. <laughs> concur with Jim. Great job. You didn't read 30.2, did you? I don't think so. I think you started out with one from session six. So just um, the the question of spirit has always kind of baffled me because the notion of spirit as shuttle just hasn't really clicked. The mind and the body are much more tangible. So in 30.2, Don asks if Ra would define mind, body, and spirit separately. And Ra does that, um, describing the different components of mind, which include intuition, emotions, feelings, 
um, the roots of mind uh, progressing through different levels from the personal to the racial to cosmic influxes and then it becomes a direct contactor of that shuttle which we call the spirit complex. Then as to spirit, they say this spirit complex is the channel whereby the inpourings from all the various universal, planetary and personal inpourings may be funneled into the roots of consciousness and whereby consciousness may be funneled to the gateway of intelligent infinity through the balanced intelligent energy of body and mind. Um, so there you see the circuit that Ra is describing. And um, they describe, like Jim was saying, the circle, uh, mind, body, and spirit, each being different portions of that circle. But you see in that one paragraph, Ra's um, description of the role or function that the spirit plays in that circle or circuit. It's funneling various universal planetary and personal importings into the mind-body. And then from there, it describes how it works through the mind-body back to, <clears throat> excuse me, to intelligent infinity. So this idea of the shuttle, I um, connected it to the sort of um, umbilical cord in the matrix. Um, uh, when Neo awakens in his pod, it's more than an umbilical cord, actually. But um, so his his um, sensory experience is taking place within the illusion of the matrix. But really, um, he's receiving input from the base program or or code, the matrix itself, and it's kind of being fed to him through. There is a sort of an umbilical cord, isn't there, Austin? When he's in the pod. Yeah, it comes out of his head. Out of his head. Yeah, yeah, out of the back of his neck. That's right. Or And then he has a tube going down his uh, stomach, too. <laughs> it, it's kind of a gross scene. Yeah, or I guess uh, they have to feed him his body goo to keep it actually alive. But um, in a really abstract, loose, indirect way, maybe there's a comparison to spirit in that spirit is that sort of connection point, shuttle, umbilical cord, for the mind-body, back to the base program, back to the maker, the universal, the planetary, all, all the big cosmic influxes, the, the core of the creation. And the spirit is that which receives that input at that level and brings, it, brings those inpourings into the seemingly separate individual mind-body for its journey back to the one. Something like that. Um, anyway... I just made a little bit of headway for myself in understanding what spirit was and wanted to share it. All right. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Jim? Uh, nope. I'm done on that one. Okay. I think my only final thought in that I've had while this discussion was going on is that this is a great example of the apparent um, sequential nature of third density uh, our perception of time in that uh, everything is actually, as Ra says, happening in true simultaneity. And the spirit is never not there. The mind and the body are never not there. But in third density, we experience a sort of linear time. And I think that the purpose of ordering the mind-body-spirit complex in that order is because of the sequence that it is most effective to work on these things and that uh, through our experience of linear time, we can um, effectively balance the distortions in a proper order. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure how useful that statement would be to Jeremy. <laughs> um, I think that that about wraps it up for today's show. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Jim? I just want to thank everybody for sending questions in, and I hope everybody has a really good week, and just know that we love you all, and we're hoping to see you back next week. 
You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those of you who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk with you then.